The Koffler Gallery is proud to present the world premiere of a heart-wrenching and fascinating exhibition, The Synagogue at Babinyar, Turning the Nightmares of Evil into a Shared Dream of Good. Opening on the eve of Yom HaShoah, April 17th, and running until November, the multidisciplinary exhibition tells the bittersweet story of the Babinyar Synagogue, which stands on the grounds of the first large-scale massacre of the Holocaust in 1941. Experience the full historical, political, artistic, and spiritual context of this incredible monument for the first time. The exhibition is free of charge. To learn more, visit KofflerArts.org. That it, I had that moment, like, if you can picture me with a desk of papers and, like, you just swipe everything off the table. <laughs> you know, I have a board of... of Whatever's shows. on our schedule Whatever's is gone. Whatever's on our schedule, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to move everything around to accommodate this. Hello and welcome to Culturally Jewish. I'm Ilana Zakon. And I'm David Sklar. Join us as we explore Jewish art, culture, and identity in Canada. Mama always wanted me to be a doctor But I became an artist and that really shocked her Now I'm interviewing people in the biz, pros, and newish But all of them are artists and they're culturally Jewish Today, we will take you behind the scenes at the Siegel Center for Performing Arts in Montreal where we talk to Lisa Rubin, the artistic and executive director of the theater as well as the director of the show that is now playing until May 14th, Prayer for the French Republic. We also get a chance to talk to various actors, audience members after the first preview and uh, chat with some people during their rehearsal breaks. Prayer for the French Republic is about a Jewish couple in 1944 Paris facing the impact of the Holocaust. More than 70 years later, their great-grandchildren find themselves facing the same questions as their ancestors. Are we safe? Joshua Harmon is also the playwright who wrote Bad Jews, which actually David was in a production of um, in, in his hometown. And it won the 2022 Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Play. So Prayer for the French Republic uh, is a show about history, home, and the effects of ancient hatred. Thank you. You'll have dinner with us. Uh, sure, yes. Thank you. We're not strict here, just um, traditional, so... I don't, I don't Just follow. traditional, you know, we, we like the candles for Shabbat, I dinner, you know. Still don't. Shabbat. <laughs> you, you don't understand me, Shabbat? Oh, do you mean like Shabbat? <laughs> yes, Shabbat. Oh, okay. Do you keep Shabbat? Uh, no, no, I don't, but I'm not really, you know. Not what? I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't raised with any religion. But you're Jewish, though. So. I guess technically, but I don't believe in organized religion. I actually think that if we could um, end all religions immediately, we might have a chance at saving our planet. But I totally respect if you want to believe. It's just not for me. Well, welcome. Elodie, would you like to say hello to our American cousin? This is Molly. Hello. Nice to meet you. Elodie is quite... Um, Tired. Yeah. Yeah, so I was actually fortunate enough to be in Montreal with Alana and we got to meet up with Lisa. We asked her, you know, what made the show unique when dealing with the subject matter of anti-Semitism, assimilation, and and Jew hatred that just never seems to go away. The show is um, <clears throat> ultimately about anti-Semitism and the fact that here we are in 2023 and there's still a lot of anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. annoyingly so. I don't have the facts on hand. I don't, I don't want to present facts that are not fact-checked, but 
there's some ridiculous numbers, you know, Jews being 1% of the population, 40% of the hate crimes, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And, um, and, you know, we have so much Holocaust material. We, there's so much about the Holocaust. So Josh's attempt to kind of marry the two worlds and focus on a family struggling with anti-Semitism in modern day, in this case being 2016, you know, when you talk about any kind of anti-Semitism, it's very, very hard not to bring in the Holocaust as well, um, mm-hmm. because it's a, we're supposed to have learned from that. So the idea for this play is to show the generation of the survivors and then their family, their, their descendants, who unfortunately in 2016 are grappling with the same questions that their grandfather was asking in 1944. So it, it's very it's interesting because the play really features like, you know, three quarters of the play takes place in 2016 and only a quarter in 1944. But I think that's very intentional because we have so much material about the Holocaust already and it's how that's impacted us today. And also to never forget that's what we're supposed to be learning from. It was really interesting to hear her respond to our question about what made her choose Prayer for the French Republic uh, for this season at the Seagull. I see a lot of theater, (laughs) a lot. And, you know, I don't love everything I see. How could you not? And then, of course, like most of the things that I love are musicals and we can't just always be doing one musical after another. And I'll never forget, like hearing that Josh Harmon had a new play, wanting to go to New York to see it. Um, it was still in the pandemic. Like it was what it was at the time where mm-hmm. everyone had to be masked. They were checking your vaccination passports. It was like a big thing that like theaters were even open again. But you could still feel that um, there was a, a little bit of uncertainty. Um, and uh, I, I went to see the play and I was just so blown away that it, I had that moment. Like if you can picture me with a desk of papers and like you just swipe everything off the table, <laughs> you know, I have a board of, of whatever's shows. on our schedule, whatever's is on gone. Our schedule yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to move everything around to accommodate this. Right. And that's, hmm. that's really how it felt to me after seeing, like, I knew that a lot of theaters won't do this play. Hmm. Why so? Well, there's 11 actors, it's long, and it's very high Jewish content. Right. And so, and it was competing against Leopoldstadt, which had already transferred to Broadway. So this didn't even have a chance, even though it won all the drama desk and it won the outer, outer, outer critic circle and it won everything. Producers are like, Leopoldstadt's right there next door. Like, what are we, hmm. what are we going to have there? Like the timing, you know, it's like that unfortunate thing with timing. And I felt like I can do this again, because if not us, then who? So I also was curious because I wanted to highlight some of the differences between other shows with Jewish, heavy Jewish themes. And one example was Leopoldstadt, which was on Broadway. I was lucky enough to see it when I was in New York, where I felt sort of there was this difference between something like that show and Prayer for the French Republic. Leopoldstadt was doing the sort of epic arc of history dealing with Jews from the 1880s all the way till 1960. The difference I kind of found and I was chatting with Lisa about was when it came to prayer, this dealt more with the dynamics and drama of family. And I think that's what I found special about this particular show where they were dealing with their internal conflicts as opposed to external conflicts happening outside. 
in Leopold's that Tom Stoppard, it was like his discovery of his Jewish roots. Right. So someone who had no Jewish background all of a sudden discovers they have they're Jewish and they're gonna now represent and make an homage to their own awakening and their own discovery in honor of their family. Mm-hmm. Whereas Josh is the opposite. These are this is if you've grown up in a Jewish family and you live a cultural Jewish life Every character is someone in your family. Yeah. There's that, that, that familiarity that he has yeah. that Tom doesn't. But as you said, Tom represents this incredible historical family saga that is also quite spectacular. Um, this one to me just feels, yeah, more, more real in, in so many ways. When David and I met up at the theater uh, to interview Lisa, we happened upon Felicia Shulman and Richard Jutra, who are both actors in the play, having a lunch break. And we we went up to them and chatted with them uh, and wanted to ask Felicia a bit about the emotional journey of this rehearsal process. Both David and I have read the play before, and it definitely delves into some deep, deep subject matter, whether it's talking about, you know, how Jews feel about the conflict in the Middle East or... Um, dealing with modern-day anti-Semitism. There's just so much in there. And we just wanted to be respectful of the actors because they're on their breaks, right? They're dealing with a long, long show. So we're like, should we interview? Are you feeling comfortable? Is this an okay Because <laughs> cl- you never know with actors. They're like, leave me alone. I need my... 20 minutes to and, not talk to anybody. And it was funny because at first Felicia was saying, oh, you know, I'm so tired. I barely slept last night. And then she just started getting so into it. We were like, okay, we got to record this. <laughs> <laughs> and we just have to make note that there is a lot happening in the background because obviously the show was still in preview mode. So they were still setting up and tearing down things, which you, you will hear in the back when we talk to her. So I've gone, I just did a play without a day off hmm. where I was a ghost of a dead person who was cremated, like who was murdered at Auschwitz. So for me, it's a, it just feels like, oh my Lord. It's, you know, Lisa is so, I'm gonna cry. She's so supportive and collaborative. And the cast is gorgeous. It's like gorgeous. The whole team, the backstage, like A, they're so generous. And um, I'm talking to another actor. That's who I am. <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking to, to Richard, Richard Sutra. And, um, and Lisa at one point went, oh, my gosh. Like, do you guys need, like, someone to come in, like, a support staff? And it was so generous. And each one of us responded in our own way. Like, no, like, I don't need that. I just need time to process. But uh, it's, you know, to have this emotion and carry it. It's, it's a lot. And uh, it's nice to get the laughs, too. In that vein, when we were in Lisa's office, we asked her a little bit about moments that the cast and crew experienced with their Jewish connectivity in relation to the play. There were a large amount of Jewish actors in the show, as well as some non-Jewish actors. And Lisa told us about the uh, details that the actors wanted to go into to make sure that it felt true to their own experience. Like, because I, I never I never really saw it before, but, like, the fact that the Jews in the cast are so obsessed with the authenticity of what mm-hmm. would the Afi Coleman be in. And what, and you would never have, like, Shabbat candles 
that have like dripping wax that you've reused. No one ever reuses Shabbat candles. Like the level of authenticity that the Jews want in this mm. production is like everybody else. We're like, you know, so it was a really fun moment. And then, um, well, Eyal's, you know, Eyal's uh, grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. So Eyal's an actor in the show. Eyal's an actor in the show. Um, Felicia Shulman is like always crying. So I'm sure it, it touches her. Yes. Um, um, Ellen David, you know, in particular with her relationship with Morris Podbury, who plays her father, who's 89, mm-hmm. you know, connects deeply to the relationships there. And I think like generally we all feel like these characters. So mm. it's, it's, we laugh a lot. We just constantly laugh how this feels just like this is my mom and like when i'm like this is my brother what like this is you know we're we're just it's like really airing your dirty laundry basically (laughs) um coming up next is a topic that alana and i have discussed a lot on the sister podcast bonjour hi of whether non-jews have a right to play jewish roles i've even expanded upon that and whether people who are straight can play gay roles too Um, I was lucky enough to talk to Richard Jutra, who is not Jewish. He is a gay man. He's an actor. And he delved into some of these things that we have brought up in the past. Was he okay with playing a Jewish role? What kind of research he had to do? Um, And whether he feels that that is an okay thing as an artist to do. If anyone has listened to Bonjour Chai, you know I have a lot of opinions on this. But I do know Richard personally, and I know he's a really good person. And I think one of the conclusions we came to in these old conversations was if someone really comes at it with an open heart and they're really trying to give an authentic portrayal and they're doing their research. And I know, as he will mention, he's best friends with Felicia Shulman, who is, uh, you know, grew up Jewish and everything. And I feel like if there had to be someone, Richard is, is is a guy that is an incredible actor and he's a really good person. So I'm, I was curious to hear what he had to say on this. Uh, I'm an actor. I've been acting since I'm 15. I just finished a show at the Centaur where I played, um, I played a gay Italian uh, guy, Steve Galluccio's uh, at the beginning of time. I'm not Italian, but I'm an actor. I tell stories. I, uh, I, I get why there's this thing of you know Jews should play Jewish people should play Jewish people and you know but I'm an actor and uh, am I supposed to play a Quebec gay man for the rest of my days Uh, so no there was not a problem whatsoever whatsoever did you have to do any research or any homework for that to sort of say I need to understand where this person is coming from from their background well my character is also a non-practicing Jew uh, and uh, my dearest friend who plays Irma, she's like my soul sister, Felicia Shulman wrote it. Uh, she gave me a lot of information. I did do research when it came time for the Crusades. And uh, there's, I'm learning. I'm still learning as we're going along. You know, this was our, our first public performance tonight, which for me as also the narrator uh, of the show tonight, it was just wonderful to have people so I could like connection with folks. UJA's Walk with Israel is happening this Victoria Day, Monday, May 22nd. Join thousands of community members for the world's largest Israel Solidarity Walk, followed by an epic Israeli-themed beach party to celebrate Israel's 75th birthday. Get all the details by visiting walkwithisrael.com. 
This is our moment to unite as one strong and proud Jewish community, religious and secular, left and right, Jews and allies. Everyone belongs at the Walk with Israel. Register before May 19th, and if you use the promo code CJN, you can save 10% on all Walk Bundle packages. To register, visit walkwithisrael.com. For this show, you know, as in many shows, there's always behind-the-scenes drama, things that happen that we never expect could happen, and there were a few of these moments in this rehearsal process, so I really wanted to find out how Lisa, the director, navigated those trials and tribulations, what they expected, and how they sort of came together in the end, last minute, as it always happens. You know, Alana, everything gets wrapped up just in the last minute, and things always (laughs) do seem to work out. Yeah. Also, for context, Lisa mentions the ice storm, so for those of you who didn't hear there was a really bad ice storm I was really lucky that I was just on my way to Toronto as it started so there was hail coming down but I escaped it and a lot of people lost power and did their satyrs in the dark with cold food (laughs) we had so we had an actor we had to replace an actor we had an ice storm and then um we had the team incredibly create like camper style with like you know, LED, like battery lights, uh, camping lights, like, like it was unbelievable. They set this all up. Like they put in hours to getting equipment so that, cause we lost a full day of rehearsal. So we weren't going to lose two days mm. to setting up because of the camp- ice storm. Yeah, yeah. Because of the ice storm to setting up camper style rehearsal. That was amazing. <sighs> then a part of our air conditioning broke when we had that crazy heat wave last week. And we were rehearsing in like 27, 28 degrees. And the equity rule is like, when it reaches 30, you have to stop. We were oh getting God. to 29. And so everyone was like, look like we were at the beach. We were rehearsing. <laughs> we were so tired. We couldn't breathe. We were sweating. But, you know, no one wanted to stop. No one wanted to stop. And the team brought out fans and we opened the doors. Like, just the support to try to, like, work through these barriers and obstacles. That That was pretty amazing. So Lisa mentioned that they had to replace an actor about 10 days into rehearsal. I was I got to talk to the replacement, Alex Potch-Golden, who stepped in for the role of Charles Benamou at the last minute. I wanted to know what was going through his mind when he got that call and, and how that process works. Alana, has that ever happened to you in a show? It's not happened to me, but I've heard stories from friends that when they get a show really last minute, like a friend of mine had to learn an entire script in 48 hours, and he said that something just shifted in his brain. Sheer panic. And he, yeah, he would like read it, and every hour at night he'd set an alarm, so he would like sleep for a little bit, read more script, sleep for a little bit, and it all just absorbed because of the stress. I've also, I remember seeing a show at the Centaur. I don't remember what show it was, but it was a number of years ago, and it was a similar situation, but the actor had gotten sick, so they had to bring in a replacement two days before the show opened, and they had the stage manager on on book so that he could call line. He only called line two times, and it was a really long show, and his performance was honestly better than the other actor. So it really impresses me. I don't know how I would do in that situation. It didn't happen to me, but I was in rehearsal for Bad Jews at Theatre Calgary. Same thing exact happened. Ten days into the rehearsal, we lost our Liam. We lost the main. Is one Joshua main... Harmon cursed? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? We lost him, and then we had to find a replacement. We had to shut down rehearsals for two and a half days while we found the new person. He was in Florida visiting his Bubby and Zadie. Oh, my God. We got him to come to Calgary. But I just want to say it was was thrilling and it was exciting. And it worked out 
for everyone's benefit because we became closer as a cast. We decided to do earlier rehearsals with him. We decided to go back to his hotel room to run lines with him and it brought us closer and I think it made the show that much better. So now's a great time. Let's listen to Alex Potch Golden, who also happened to be um, a student of my mother's way back in the day. Let's listen to how he uh, navigated those challenges. It was kind of thrilling. I had the choice. I could have turned it down, but I had known about this play previously and I just had a conflict and couldn't do it. And then when the actor had to leave, I was really quite thrilled. I had 10 days to learn the lines and get an understanding of the play. It was a lot of work and focus and then coming in uh, to the city that I love, to do play with a bunch of people that I know and uh, and some that I was meeting. Um, uh, it was uh, pretty profound. A little bit, like we just did an audience, uh, a show in front of an audience today, and it was thrilling, and they responded so well, and I, I felt like I had my feet on the ground. I think I still have further to go, but I, I'm really happy to be at the place that I'm at right now. So for people who don't know, Every Sunday at the Seagull, the first show there, they invite guests, people who have an indirect or direct experience to sort of the themes of the show. Uh, for this show, Prayer, they invited two French Jews from France, Paris. One of them, uh, his name is Jeremy Altman, and it was really about the questions of what the play is dealing with, to stay or go. This particular family member decided eventually to leave for many different reasons, the rise of anti-Semitism, yes, economic um, prosperity in a new country. Um, so he talked about dealing it, dealing with that move, that relocation, the uncertainty, having to set new roots down in a city like Montreal. So I got to hear him talk uh, about that experience and his relationship to the play. Every person we discussed before moving from Paris to, to Montreal was, it's the same. It's going to be the same because anti-Semitism is everywhere, number one, and Quebec is just like France with maybe a decade or 15 years difference. It will be the same. I've heard that a million times, and I disagree very strongly, only because the diversity of the Montreal or the Canadian population is so that you have a Portuguese community, you have a Greek community, you have a Lebanese community, you have a Jewish community. Everyone comes from a different background. Everyone is an immigrant or a son or a daughter of a grandpa or a grandma that came here many, many decades ago, and every, everyone has roots and is proud of their identity. So yes, you will find incidents, but not the same hatred. I find that I could be who I am at work, in my personal life, and respected for who I am. I don't have to hide myself. Yes, here and there you will have a swastika or something coming up, but it's a very different level. We then chatted with Lisa about what she hopes the audiences will take away from the show and what types of conversation she hopes that the show sparks. And I got to interview Ellen David, who plays Marcel Benamou, about the play and why the messages are still important. It was so nice for me to hear Ellen's voice. I only got to listen to the interview that David did afterwards because I worked with her on my show Muzzle Tov last spring. She was the director of my show. Um, I really love uh, working with her and it was nice to hear her share her experience. I think it, I want it to kind of help the Jewish community feel seen a little bit because so many people hide because we're so afraid mm -hmm. to offend somebody. So I, I feel like this gives a chance for the, for Jews and the many voices to be able to 
be validated in thoughts or feelings that they have about what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so if it just does that, a little bit of reassurance, and then people still shut up and they don't want to offend and we don't want to talk about it, then great. And then, you know, for non-Jewish audiences, I hope that it shows a little bit about what the modern Jewish experience is like and that it's not black and white. It's very complicated. And you can be friends and lovers and family members and all have different opinions. I think it's important for people to see this. There was someone who asked me earlier, uh, someone in the education system, um, do you think younger people should see a play like this? You know, and it's a long play. It's a three-act play. It tells a sweeping story. We go back and forth in time from 2016, 2017 into the 1940s. But I think it is, it is important. It is something that younger people should see because, as I said earlier, we're not so far removed from these types of events happening. Just a few days before um, we had one of our, uh, our rehearsals, you know, Synagogue in Montreal was, you know, adorned with swastikas. So it still goes on. You still feel this, this kind of rise happening in the world. The hatred is there. And I think we need to, you know, like we, we say never again, right? But we have to kind of see it and feel it and address it and hope that we can all collectively as, as, as a race as, do something about it. You know, my son says we won't hate them. And I say, no, we won't. We won't. We'll do the best. We'll try to move forward and, and do what we can. And, you know, even though we're asking the same kinds of questions that, you know, we were asking many, many years ago after the wars. I saw the first preview Sunday afternoon. And after the show was over, I wanted to talk to some audience members to get their honest reactions. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of Bubbies and Zadies in the crowd, but I really wanted to hear their experience. I also got some younger people. Uh, I wanted to hear all the different generations and how they viewed the show. I loved it. I think like you definitely had a lot of like heavy stuff, but then kind of moments of levity to kind of kind of nicely balance, and then just kind of ended with a nailed the ending. I thought. Um, but in, very informative, gotta be honest, uh, I learned a lot from it today. Uh, maybe <laughs> dictates I should probably read a little bit more, but, uh, but no, I think everyone was great and the performances were awesome. Yeah, I think that this type of a performance should be disseminated a little uh, wider. Everyone should see it. I wrote to a couple of people already that they must come. It should go to Broadway. It should go it's to been on Broadway. Uh -huh. It's been on Broadway? Yep. When? Two years ago. Oh, okay. I think You're I kidding. Yep. And it should go across Canada. It's timely. You can check out Prayer for the French Republic at the Siegel Centre in Montreal, which is playing until May 14th. It was really fun to be able to record in person. I, this is actually the first time ever that David and I have interviewed a guest in person because everything we've done on Bonjour Chai and Culturally Jewish has always been virtual or the two of us are in the same room, but the guest is virtual. So that was really a different experience. It was. It really was. It was good. I had a great time. Yeah, me too. It was uh, really invigorating and um, so many great people working on on that show. So it's nice to be able to just kind of pop in, say hi to some friends. And catch up with people I haven't seen in years. Yeah, yeah. We kept running into people in the hallway as we were leaving the theater. Uh, so, David, uh, aside from the show, what else has been on your radar Jewishly? 
Jewishly. I This past week, before I came to Montreal, I sat down with Jack Grinhouse. He is the new artistic director of Vertigo Theatre. He comes by way of Toronto, up to Prince George, and then finally landing down in Calgary. Um, he is a Jewish director. He has done lots of work across this country. So I was able to interview him for the Alberta Jewish News, chatting about all his hopes and dreams for the future with Vertigo Theatre in Calgary, and it was just great to catch up with him because I've worked with him as an actor twice on two different shows. So if uh, audience members want to go check out that article, where can they go find it? They can go to albertajewishnews.com. <laughs> Not CA? Dot, dot com? Uh, it is dot com. Albertajewishnews.com, <laughs> yes. That's fun. I'd been mentioning to Lisa that I've been getting a lot from being in the Jewish Arts Mentorship Program at the Siegel Center, otherwise known as JAM, the acronym. JAM. That's my jam. Um, and I've been learning a lot in so many different ways. We have different guests that come every month. So last month we had Rabbi Grishko from Temple Emmanuel in Montreal, the Reform Synagogue. And we had um, an artist come in from New York who was coming to give a talk at the Jewish Museum. Um, but one small fun takeaway, as uh, in addition to the, into the guests, is we get to have these chats with the other artists. And uh, we had a discussion about what makes art Jewish. Is it just a Jewish person creating the art? Or is it when there's actual Jewish content? And we all shared something that had moved us that we'd seen, whether it was theater, film, visual art. And there's a series that if you haven't seen it yet, you really have to check it out. That was recommended by someone in my cohort. Fleischman is in trouble. David, have you seen it? I have. Oh, I'm getting a sense in your voice that you didn't like it. I did not. Oh, wow. Why not? He's, I, I found no redeeming qualities about him. Yeah. That, well, the whole point was the show is exploring complicated people. Yes. Complicated <laughs> dickish people in a sense that I was like, none of no, no, keep going. None, no, of have it, thoughts. No, none of it is like, I want to get her perspective. I want to see the back and forth between these two characters on where it's coming from his side. But then we get to see her side of where it's coming from. We did from get to see her side. Very, very late. Yeah, right, but right I think that humanized, I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers, but the, the show I thought was really well done. Jesse Eisenberg plays the lead and Claire Danes plays his partner. It just goes to prove that yeah. there are no happy people in New York City. <laughs> I thought there is a lot of, Real Jewish moments in that show. I, the Judaism was so authentic. They didn't over-explain it. It was just present. And the acting was really good. I thought the writing and the characters were really strong. And I keep having these different debates with people about which side they were on, his or hers, because everyone has a different opinion, which to me means that the show is successful. If it makes you really question the morality of the characters. I couldn't get into it, to be honest. I was It was more frustrating for me than anything. Well, if you watch it, you can let us know whose side you're please, on. <laughs> Culturally Jewish is hosted by me, David Sklar, and Ilana Zakon. We're produced and edited by Michael Freeman, and our theme music is by Sarah Siegel Lazar. Thanks to our old Bonjour Chai co-host, Avi Feingold, for helping us record in his home studio in Montreal this week. We're a member of the CJN Podcast Network. To support our work and everything the CJN does, visit the cjn.ca slash donate to make a monthly donation and receive a charitable tax receipt.